Hello and welcome to episode 10 of the Portadown Preview Show. I'm Neil and alongside me this week after a one week sabbatical I'm joined once again by Dave Wiggins. Dave, how are you? Good, yeah. I've recovered from a thigh strain. I just, you know, went to see Chris the physio and then I, I, I trained on trained on Monday night a bit, so I was feeling good. So I'm back, yeah, raring to go. Can't wait. Well, here you've uh, big shoes to fill because actually outside my house today there was protests. Uh, people were chanting, "We want Dunlop Wiggins out." So you know they're they're craving for Johnny to come back. So you know you <laughs> you better raise your game tonight after his stellar performance last week. <laughs> oh, what's happened there? I thought we'd lost you. Um, are you still there? Yeah, that was me just being huffy because you said that. <laughs> 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 Brilliant. Um, joining us this week, uh, we have Darren Potts from the Pottscast. Darren, it's great to have you on the show. I'm pretty sure that along with myself and Dave, you were also pretty miserable last night, but we'll, we'll maybe touch upon that later on. How are you? Very well, Neil. Thank you for inviting me on to the show. And yes, like yourself last night, and probably like Dave as well, the three of us sat and huffed and puffed and went to bed very unhappy. But but today's been a better day. There's been no football on. It's been tremendous. So here we are. Yes, indeed. Well, here, listen, um, I suppose we just crack on into it then. On Saturday, past there, Portadown away to Dungannon. Big game. It went Portadown's way. 1-0. Uh, Lee bonus is goal. Dave, were you a happy boy on Saturday? Yeah, I was happy. Yeah, I didn't, uh, didn't get to the match, so I streamed it at home and just lay up on the sofa and watched it. And I suppose it wasn't pretty to watch is, you know, is one thing. And, um, but you come away with three points and solid sort of defensive performance and everyone was kind of buzzing, weren't they? Um, at the very start, I thought Dungannon kind of passed it for about 15 minutes before we got a touch on the ball. And I was thinking, oh, Flip, Dean Shields is like wonder manager. He's got this team, you know, passing and haven't given the ball away once. But, um, it's that, it's that thing for me of you can pass it all you want, but unless you stick the ball in the back of the net, what's the point? Um, but yeah, I was happy after the match. Three points, kept them going on the bottom, helped us pull a little bit away from them. And uh, I think that was very important, yeah. Yeah, um, I, I was delighted with Saturday's performance. I think I thought not only were we obviously good going forward, but we were very resolute as well. And there was a lot of really decent performances from players that maybe hadn't been getting as much game time as some other boys. I thought Nathan Kerr in particular was excellent on Saturday there against Duncanon. And it was always going to be a tough game considering they're down in the bottom as well, along with us. Potsy, Duncanon there, um, what do you make of them this season? Do you think they are where they should be? I think they're in that battle where they should be. I am surprised that they're the bottom of the four. Um, I think they usually have quite a good number of young players coming through with high energy. They're dedicated. They, they work hard. And to see them bottom is a little bit of a shock, especially when you sprinkle the likes of a Michael Carville there. And um, Dougie Wilson's a player I think is very, very good. And then you had Roy Patterson and Roy Carroll in, in January. I sort of did expect them to push on a little bit. And it has sort of, maybe sh- I wouldn't say shocked me a little bit, but it certainly has been a little bit of a surprise to see them being the bottom team off the four, but I think certainly in and around that battle is where they should be. 
Were you surprised that they sacked Chris Lindsay? Yes and uh, no. Mutual, mutual consent. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, were you surprised by that parting of the ways then? A little bit. Michael Carville on podcast with Michael. It's coming up in the next couple of weeks. Look out for that one if you are interested in the Irish League podcast. But Michael did say that he's one of the best coaches he's ever worked under, which I think says a lot considering Stephen Baxter and David Jeffrey were two of the main men that Michael worked under in the Irish League. And he was quite surprised when, when Chris got the bullet. But I think, I think maybe the signings in January were maybe done perhaps a little bit before the confirmation that relegation was going to be voided. Mm-hmm. And maybe with the spending of money, it maybe led them to have a reason to get rid of Chris Lindsay. Whereas perhaps if they hadn't spent that money, relegation wasn't on the table. They didn't have to care about that. They might've stayed with what they've got. I, I don't know, to be honest, but it, maybe a little bit. Yeah. Do you, do you know what's difficult about it too? Um, I was talking to our coach, Chris Wright, who works for the IFA, as does Chris Lindsay. And the the IFA introduced a new rule maybe about a year ago that if you work for the IFA, I don't believe that you can be the manager of an Irish League club. So that rule came in while Chris was a manager, but now that he's not a manager, you know, if he's if he's still in his IFA employment, does that mean that he can never go for another manager's position? You know, now that might change if one of the full time professional clubs in the Irish League came in for him at some stage. You know, they might offer him enough money to have him there full time on a good wage. But I just thought that was interesting for him if he does have if he does have ambition to to manage another club. You know, that actually might be quite difficult for him now, which is disappointing for him. Yeah, from what I've heard, he's a top coach, and well, he's he's already joined Cliftonville, you know, for their coaching department. Like, so I'm sure he'll add a lot of wealth of experience to their ranks as well. Dave, on Saturday, was there any particular Port of Iron players that stood out for you? Um, no, I mean, I mean, I think probably you've mentioned Nathan Kerr there, and I know he's been mentioned as well for someone who hasn't played a whole lot recently. And maybe when he has come into the team, you know, he, he maybe hasn't got a long enough chance to settle very well. Um, I thought he, I thought he did well. He he stood out there as well. Obviously, bonus did a lot of work. Um, I thought Stephen Murray did quite well, and I think Stephen is playing well without necessarily scoring goals. You know, he's holding it up well and bringing people in. He had a couple of opportunities. He lobbed one over Roy Carroll that just went over the bar, and I think he had one other opportunity. Um, yeah, so I, I, do you know what? I just thought defensively we were quite resolute on Saturday, weren't we? And, you know, I think I've said it a few times on this podcast. If you score one goal, you just hope, you know, if the defence is resolute, that could be enough to win the match. And on Saturday that was enough. Now, granted, it was even that, it was... You know, it was a scrappy enough goal, it has to be said. It was kind of a, I think McCune hit a shot that was kind of Scotland wide. And, well, fair play to Lee, stuck out his foot and, and sort of cut it in past Roy Carroll. But, you know, scrappy enough goal as well. I just didn't think, I didn't think there was a whole lot of um, tactical, technical play from us. You know, there wasn't a lot of passing and moving. It was kind of scrappy. Um 
and it was a scrappy goal, but it was three points. So, yeah, I think that was my overall emotion about the match on Saturday. I think having the ability to be able to scrap it is something that you yeah. need to have in your arsenal if you you know you do want to survive. And obviously now that you know there's there's no threat or relegation this season, but I think it's something that will put them in good stead next season because I mean realistically, a lot of it will the table change that much next season, you know, with regards which teams are going to be in and around the bottom. So the fact that can actually go to Dungana and not win once but twice will put them in good stead, I think, for next season as well, especially being such a a young side at the minute. But Dungana as well, like, you know, they have some very good young players coming through Potsy, you already mentioned it as well. And um, it was it, it was a it was a good result and it was always pleasing to keep a clean sheet. And that's obviously Leads me on to Jacob Carney because um, I think he deserved a lot of plaudits at the weekend there. And it was funny. Uh, I saw a picture during the rounds and it was like Man United's past versus Man United's present because obviously Roy Carroll was there and Jacob is technically still a Man United player. Like So Jacob, I thought, showed his class making a couple of really good saves. So I think we'll have to give him a bit of a shout out there. But you could even see like Roy Carroll, he did, he still has it. Like, you know, he made a couple of smash and saves mm-hmm. still. And I don't, I think, uh, if, if you're a top goalkeeper, you never really lose it, do you? So, do you know what? Fair play to Roy because I think what age is he? Forty something. I think he's maybe a year or two older than me. Is he forty something? He's like forty three or something, maybe. So I'm forty one, but I, I obviously homeschooling until recently. But for PE, I took Levi out one day just to kick the ball around. He put me in nets. He took a penalty at me and I threw my full body to the left. And honestly, my neck and shoulder are still sore. And that's about two weeks ago. So for Roy at 43, throwing himself around like that, you know, it's pretty obvious he's been a professional footballer for a long time. He's still in good nick and he's, you know, he's obviously back training twice a week at Dungannon. So fair play to you, Roy Carroll. Yeah. And... Again, Potsy already mentioned him, Roy Patterson. He signed there for Dungannon. Um, you know, he's he's a, a player that scored many goals over the years. Um, you had him on your show a number of weeks ago. In fact, last week I was chatting to Neil McCaffrey about it. He's good friends of Rory, and we're talking about the podcast. He was he's a he was certainly a colourful character in the show as well, wasn't he? Was indeed. Um, it's a player I always admired, actually. Even probably the first time I really seen him, he scored a penalty against Crusaders up at, up at the Coleraine Showgrounds. And then the following game at Seaview was the day he came out, the day he signed for Glen Torren. And um, both sets of fans were booing him off the pitch. He was laid onto the pitch because Krangle told him he was wearing the wrong, uh, I think it was the wrong footwear, the wrong under armour or something. So he like walked onto the pitch by himself while all the two teams were waiting on him. So it just looked really, really bad from that aspect. And then he went and scored four. Uh, as he's telling the Coleraine fans to shush, there it got out that it's he was giving them the fingers for booing him. Um, brilliant, brilliant conversation. I, I love talking to him. I admired him, especially in terms of his finishing. He's just deadly. And um, yeah, Roy Patterson signed for Dungannon. As we Crusaders, we certainly felt full force of that signing last night when he put his full force behind that ball in the free kick and put one past us to go 2-0 up. Yeah, I've just realised that whenever we've done the introductions, I didn't actually introduce you as a Crusaders fan as well, which is something I should have done. So, ladies and gentlemen, as I'm sure you've gathered, Potsy's wearing a Crusaders shirt and he is a Crusaders fan. So, yeah. Sorry, Dave, what were you going to say? No, never mind. But uh, while we're talking about Crusaders, it is one of the, prob- 
almost the nicest shirt in the Irish League this season, it has to be said. And we've talked about a wee Hummel number before, and maybe we're talking about kits too early. I don't know what your script is tonight, but it's hard to beat a wee Hummel number with those, uh, whatever, are the arrows or Vs up the, the arms? We all love those. Like, yeah, we all love those. I'm quite I'm quite happy with this kit myself. Normally, uh, I, I I'm quite critical of the teams I support and their football kits, but um, I really really like this one, and I'll, I'll get credit to Porter Dine. You always have a nice shirt. In fairness, yeah. Well, I th- I think Darren Murphy is the Hummel rep who's now a coach at Crusaders. Maybe that was part of the deal, was it? I don't know. Maybe if we don't get Europe, we'll have to cut our costs. <laughs> Maybe we'll get a deal on next year's kit. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. we will. We will get into that at some stage. Like, Sondigo, uh, we go kit for Crusaders <laughs> next season. I love that. We miter balls for training. Just, just pure off the shelf from uh, Sports Direct will be lovely. Well, well here you're, you're on the the topic of conversation being kits, Dave. What do you have on you tonight? Looks like a nice wee t-shirt. Listen, I, I suppose I should come clean and say just before we started recording this, I didn't have anything ported down on at all because I was having a great hair day and I didn't want to ruin it. But I went down and hooked this out of the cupboard, which was a wee, wee t-shirt edition that came out for the 2005 Irish Cup final. And yeah, it's been in my wardrobe for 16 years since. It's smelling a little bit musty, but it's nice to have a t-shirt of a cup final that we actually won. Yeah, this is true. Um, geez, it's hard to believe that's 16 years ago. Mm. I myself have went for the home shirt of 2007-2008. Do you remember Amy Cadu? He was playing for us that season. Yeah. Remember him? So, yeah. yeah um, we didn't win anything this year, but Andy Smith played for us as well that season. Yeah. Um, so, not not much. In fact, the only thing that happened to us this season is we got uh, demoted <laughs> at the end of it. Like, so, <laughs> I guess it's a shirt that everyone remembers. Albeit, you're talking there about the Hummel kit. Obviously, that was 08 9 down in the championship. But the first game of the season, remember, we played away to Armagh City in the 1 7. Do you remember that? Yeah. We actually wore this shirt that day. Was that right? Yep. Yeah, yeah. That was the last the time new, we wore it. kit wasn't in yet. That's right, yeah. That's like, so, an ongoing, that's like an ongoing issue at Shamrock Park of the new kit not quite being ready on time or, or <laughs> cutting it close, but uh, hopefully this season it'll be out before the summer. Yeah, Red on top, well, yellow away at top. <laughs> <laughs> Here's hoping. Right, so Saturday, we'll put Saturday in the rearview mirror. It was a great three points. Uh, moving on to Tuesday, mm-hmm. we had a... A titanic clash against another basement team in Carrick Rangers. Um, they've had the hoodoo over us, you know, um, the last few years. We went there. Unfortunately, we got beat 5-3. It wasn't what we wanted, but it's what happened. What can you do? What were your thoughts on that, Dave? Are you going to go to Potsy first there and, and slowly, slowly warm into it? Ah, listen... I was fortunate enough to get uh, into the match last night as part of the media team. Um, and I really wanted to go because it's been a long, long time since we've got a result against Carrick at Taylor's Avenue. And my son's been doing probability at school. And I'm, I was thinking the probability was pretty high that we could get a point or three points at Taylor's Avenue last night. And how wrong was I? Um, how did I see the match? After 10 minutes, I turned to the fellow beside me and said, oh, 
I think we're going to smash this team tonight. And then 10 minutes later, it's two all. Before halftime, it's 3-2. And you're just going, this is an utter, utter shambles. And you know, like, we're fairly level-headed on here. There's nobody picking on anybody. But when you go two up against currently one of your closest rivals in the league, and then they score one kind of breakaway goal and you just forget everything you're doing and your head drops and they maybe hit you with a couple of hard tackles. To me, it wasn't about lack of ability or lack of skill or lack of fitness. Um, I just thought it was a lack of fight. And that's probably something that we don't accept. You know, if you get beaten by a team and you've, you've, absolutely left it all out there you know we talk about playing for the shirt players don't you know a small minority of players play for a shirt but players play for their wages at the end of the day but when you when you go out and represent a club and fans and you know you go two up and then that happens I just I don't know it it was it was very frustrating it was um demoralizing a little bit embarrassing, um, but I think it came down to a lack of fight. And and this was epitomized by, I was up at the corner where our players were running out for the second half and not one of them was talking. Not one of them was going, come on, let's get into these lads. Let's get going from the start. Come on, lads, clapping, shouting. There was none of that. It was just silence. And... It, you know, when you're coaching young lads football, some of the first things that you're trying to get them to do, never mind passing and scoring a goal, is you get them in a circle, you put one or two of them in the middle, or, you know, you, you call the name, you pass the ball, you call the person's name and you run to their spot. And that's just encouraging communication. So it wasn't there. There was no, like, come on, lads, let's get into them. You know, nothing like that. And that's all you wanted to hear. It was only 3-2 at that stage. Um, we were about to play down down the hill, um, and that was just really disappointing for me. And and the people who were standing around were like, "Flip!" They're just they've come out there very quiet. And to me, that's that's not acceptable. I would not criticise any player, but whenever you don't give your all, whenever you're beaten in most 50-50 tackles, whenever you're second to the ball the ball most of the time, that's when it becomes frustrating. But I want to set that in context of that's one match, massively disappointing. But I want to set that in con- the context of what is our goal for the season. I think our goal for the season is to finish 10th. And we're currently sitting 10th. And we're above Carrick. And we're above Dungannon. Now, we need to maintain that. But I do, I've said those things, but I want to set that in context of, you know, uh, it's annoying to get beaten by Carrick Rangers, but it could have been Linfield or it could have been Glen Torren or whatever. We're still sitting in 10th place. We've shown good promise over the last couple of weeks, the last month maybe. And I don't want that all to be thrown away by getting beaten by Carrick Rangers. But what I do want to see is fight and passion and balls. You have to have the balls to go into 50-50 tackles and to go into them thinking, I'm winning this ball at all costs. And I just think that was missing from us uh, once they scored one or two of their goals. Um, I don't want to be too harsh, so I'm not going to 
talk about anybody in particular, but you have to be up for the fight and Carrick were up for the fight. And I understand that Niall is a Portadown person. You know, he was sacked from Portadown, you know, so probably they're more up for that and he's more up for a match against us than anybody else. But we would have known that going into the game. So you have to have the fight and you have to have the battle. And hopefully there'll be a lesson learned. And going forward, you know, I think we need to show more fight. There's maybe something in that about young lads coming in from England on loan. You know, they're young. They're maybe not used to getting kicked and booted about. But we have to learn that pretty quickly. That was long-winded, but that's that's kind of how I felt about the match. Um yeah, it was embarrassing, really, to concede five goals against Carrick Rangers. Yeah, um, it was, that's a pretty damning review, but I think you've hit the nail on the head, and I, I agree 100% with you. Um, I was immeasurably disappointed last night, because I thought the same. I thought Portadown had a smashing opportunity to, if they'd won last night, they'd went eight points clear of Carrick with a game in hand, and that, you know... With the run of games coming up, Linfield Crusaders, we've got Glen Torn and Lauren coming up as well. Um, you know, it, it's those are that's a run of really, really tough games. And I think last night, had we got something against Carrick, even a point, it would have put us in really good stead. But I also agree with what you say that it's one game, and you know, you can't let one game, you know, undo all the good work recently against the likes of Glen Avon and Dungannon. So it was, um, it was really disappointing. I think. Uh, even going back to episode one of this show, if we were originally meant to play Carrick on the Saturday, but then it got postponed. At the time, we said we cannot play into Carrick's hands. If we play into their hands and get involved in their kind of game, we'll get beat. And to be honest, that's exactly what we did do last night. And I don't know what it is, but it just seems to be when we play Carrick, we absolutely shit ourselves, pardon my language, but that's just the best way of putting it. And... um it was disappointing, but I'm sure everyone will bust themselves down and hopefully kick on from here. Potsy, you're from Carrick. <laughs> That's a recurring theme as well. Potsy, cheer us up. Cheer us up a wee bit there. So you're, you're from Carrick. You you know um, the gist. Um, obviously, a, a lot of uh, of our friends in our social circle are, are Carrick fans, and it was a game that you know was being hyped up as you know a big game for both clubs. You originally predicted that it would be a draw last night. What did you make of the result? Shot. Um, I seen Portadown 2 0 up and thought, fair enough. I've got to nail a bit of an apology here. Um, but turned out, obviously, I didn't see the game. I can't comment too much. I thought, whenever I seen 2 1 at half time, I thought, oh no, okay, this could be a bit of a test here for Portadown. Did they have the you know the metal to, sit, to come out again second half, be calm, relaxed, see it through, show that bit of experience? And maybe there's a little bit of an experience there. Like I said, I don't know. I didn't see the game, but I certainly feel like Carrick have got one and then they've just went all hands to the pump. And maybe, as, as Dave has mentioned, a few boys really found one thing in the end. Um, five, five goals against Carrick for the last time. Taylor's Avenue is firmly becoming the ground that you don't want to go visit, which is really unique and really kind of crazy. Do you know, do you know what, Potsy, though? It, and this isn't anything about the current. It's always been our bogey team. Karen, mm-hmm. always been our bogey team, even yeah. more so now. But, you know, 90s, 2000s, we always struggled there. Always. Yeah, those playoff, those playoff finals oh, a couple God. of years ago, too. And <laughs> Oh, God, that was serious. <laughs> but... Like we've been, we've been on the end of a beating from Carrick this year at Seaview, mm. and 
what I will say, specifically that day in particular, Niall Curry set his team up perfectly. They caught us on the break. They let us have the ball. Um, when, sometimes when you say they've caught us on the break, that's almost like saying we were battering the door down and they caught us you know, by slipping the ball. We weren't battering the door down. We just kind of, and you said it earlier, about possession and just keeping the ball. It was a bit of keeping the ball for the sake of keeping the ball without really doing anything. I mean, Carrick's defence that day didn't actually have to be that good. They just done their job. You know, they were standard doing their job defending day. It wasn't like all hands to the pump and last ditch tackles. And then they just played perfectly and caught us on the break. So Carrick have that in in their locker, so to speak, to go and get a result where they probably shouldn't. And last night, you know, Carrick have had a dismal run of results. And I said at the nail, you know, earlier this week, Carrick will have circled Portadown in the calendar as a game that they've been looking forward to in a game where they believe they can take something. And I think they maybe would have even written off the 7-0 at Linfield and the hammering by Glen Torn and went, who cares? Let's just yeah. beat Portadown when we play Portadown. Yeah. Uh, when I when I was thinking about it last night, I was driving home in the car and um, best moment of the week, driving home from Carrick Fergus on your own in the car with the tunes pumping like. But... <laughs> I was I was going through their team and I was thinking only only Cahir Freel is the only player that I think I would want to take out of their team, right? And he's not he's on loan there. I think he's signed for Cool Rain on a pre-contract, hasn't he? Yeah, so, you know, tricky, fast, sc- scores goals. So it's it wasn't a, it's not about individuals. It was about that team ethic of we are in. We are going to war against Portadown tonight. We're in a battle, we're in a fight, and we're going to come out on top at all costs. And that's what they did. Um, and even, you know, obviously we scored a third goal kind of late, and it gives you that wee bit of, oh, are we still in this match? But we weren't really in the match. Like, fair play to Sally and Crossgree when they came on, you know. Um, you know, they made a bit of a fist of it and got another goal, but... As I said to my dad the day, I was like, you know, I'm talking here as an absolutely brutal footballer, right? But when I played for Lurgan BB Old Boys Reserves, I was their substitute striker. And when I used to get a game was you'd be 4-0 down against somebody and the manager would be like, right, Dave, go and get warmed up there. And you would come on. And I loved that because you come on, you're 4-0 down, no pressure at all. And often you would get a goal or maybe get two goals. And then the manager would start you in the next match and you couldn't kick your own arse. So there's a big difference there. You know, 5-3 almost makes you think that, you know, we, we stumped up a bit of a fight in the end, but we didn't really, you know. Um, and do you know what else I, did, I, I didn't say earlier was, I'm not too sure if it was more than once or twice that we got down their left or right flank and crossed the ball into the box. And that's... That's not good enough, you know. Um, mm. Crosses into the box and players coming in, that's where goals are scored. And um, we didn't do that either. So, it, listen, it was a difficult night all round. We got duffed. We'll put it behind us. We're sitting in 10th place, which is where we expected to be this season. Um, but we need to... It, it was a good opportunity to maybe climb and knock on the door of ninth place. But we are where we are. And disappointing as it is you have to shake it off um and, and also while i'm on the people who are shouting the loudest on facebook are the people who i have not seen at shamrock park for many a year so i don't think we need to listen to those people 
I think people who are Portadown Down supporters and, and know where we are understand that there's a lot going on. We're building a club, we're building a team, and you have to be patient with it. Um, so I think all right-minded Portadown Down fans know that that's the truth of the matter. Yeah. No, I would agree with you 100% there. I think I think you just got to give Carrick credit last night. They thoroughly deserved their win. And it's just a case now of dust yourselves down, get on with it. And I agree entirely what you say, all the the trolls giving it stacks. Um, Before we move on, did you get? Did you watch some, did you stream the match last night? Or, <laughs> or was, were you rolling back the years? I... Uh, I had a nice bird's eye view last night. <laughs> I was well, the... you sent me a photograph. You sent me a photograph. WhatsApp me a photograph, and and I was like, he can see the whole pitch, but he's a wee bit further away. And then I looked up, and you were waving up on the bridge, just giving it a wee wave. <laughs> Did you bring your own step ladder? Didn't need to, but uh, there were a couple of down fans that. They brought their own stepladder and, and said to stop at home base on the way up. But then it, it did uh, it did give me a chuckle. But um, there were a couple of Carrick fans uh, also there as well. And funny, one of them was chatting and was saying, I can't believe that we have actually came from two goals down because this mm. never happens. He goes, I cannot remember the last time. And I was like, I'll tell you when your last time was. I'm pretty sure I'm right. I could be wrong. Do you remember a couple of years ago at Shamrock Park, they were 2 0 down against us and came back to each? Is that right? Yep, to each. And Lochran scored that game as well. <laughs> so. well listen, <laughs> listen, Neil, fair play to you because we'd all rather watch a match in person than on a screen. So obviously, you live in Carrick's Fergus, so you just happened to be slowly walking past, walking up and down that bridge <laughs> while the match was on. But fair play. Good laps with a dog. <laughs> oh, dear. Well, listen, these things have to be done. Right, let's forget about the character. It's done and busted. Moving forward, Saturday, BBC One. No, BBC Two, beg your pardon. Um, about five on Saturday night, we're playing the Blues. Potsy, obviously, as a Crusaders man, you've battled the Blues many times over the years. Like, what are you rate of them this season? Good, obviously, um, given their league position and how clear they are at the top. I know Coleraine came at hand when those will be a point behind, but... They're top of the tree for a reason. You know, they're not top of the tree at Christmas and parading Facebook posts about it, but, you know, they're top of the tree. Oh, oh that's a wee dig. <laughs> oh, that's a wee dig. <laughs> um, no, they're top of the tree for a reason. And the win, the win without playing overly well sometimes. I know they'll be looking to bounce back after Ballonina. Key thing for Portadown will be Shane Lavery will be missing, which is, I think is a huge plus. Um <clears throat> But also looking at it last Friday night, Sea View, of course, Ross Clark scores an absolute cracker. Going on, the thing with Linfey, they didn't panic. They didn't change their game plan. They looked exactly the same as they did before they went a goal down. And they just sort of slowly took over the game, controlled the second half, got their two goals, albeit the second one from a mistake from Paul Heatley, but we won't hold that against Mr. Heatley, given his phenomenal record at the club. But they just seemed to have that strength about them to see things out when they have to. And they have dropped the odd clangor this season in terms of result-wise, as has everyone to an extent. But when it's really mattered, when the pressure's been on, when they've had a must-win game, a Lauren on a Friday night at Windsor, going to Crusaders um, earlier on in the first 2-1 victory, when they've needed to win, they've pulled it out of the bag. And I think with Coleraine breathing down their neck, so to speak, 
and the games at hand and Glen Torm with the games at hand, Linfield, I think, will become the Shamrock to prove a point. But having seen Portadown at Shamrock this season against Crusaders in a match you should have won, in all honesty, there's no pressure in Portadown. Get out and have a go at them. And um, take, take the pressure off, go out, have a go, get stuck in. If, if you can go there on, on Saturday and be up for a fight and a scrap the way Carrick were last night, there's no reason why you can't take some from that game, in my opinion. Dave? Would you agree with surely you're, sure, surely you're going to guess what I'm going to say. I don't want to say it in Latin, like. <laughs> Surprises. You know what, what do you think? Is. Listen, it, it's the age-old conundrum of we've got duffed by Carrick on Tuesday night and in all honesty, we'll probably play very well against Linfield. Um We'll have to scrap it out at times defensively, but I believe we'll probably pass and move very well. Linfield always struggle a little. It's a Chandler Park, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Linfield always, they don't, you know, Linfield aren't the Linfield of Windsor Park when they come to Shamrock Park. They struggle. Um, I don't know what it is. You know, the pitch is fine. It's just, for them, it just seems to be a bit of a struggle. And they usually don't, get it too easy sometimes when they win they win by the odd goal so it's not um, but as well as um, Lavery being away Joel Cooper got sent off last night I think so he'll be unavailable um, I think Mulgrew's unavailable as well so that those those all add up to positives for Portadown supporters you know some of their better players potentially not being on the pitch but at the same time the squad of players that they have they'll bring people in who want to prove themselves and step out of the shadow of some of those other players so but yeah it's it's one of those ones I know Tippy said in his post-match you know uh, you sort of I think all, any team that we play especially at Shamrock Park um, you know we've we've been able to draw with bigger teams we've been able to beat bigger teams um, that's that's me hinting at saying Glenavon are a bigger, bigger team that's not what I'm talking about um, <laughs> I'm just saying, you know, just because a team is higher up the table than us and has a bigger budget does not mean necessarily that they're going to beat us. You know, we have every opportunity in every game that we go into. Um, are we likely to beat Linfield? No, it's unlikely. Could it happen? Yes. Could we get a draw? Most definitely. So it should be enjoyable. It's nice. That it's on BBC television, is it? It's on BBC Two. Yeah. That's nice yeah. as well for... For our club to be showcased on on a BBC, you know, terrestrial television and on on the iPlayer and all those other things, so it should be a nice evening. I think it's a half five kickoff. Um, it's on the BBC. You're playing against Linfield. It should be a good game, but we play better against better teams, and that is what we've been talking about this season. Your Lawrence, your Crusaders, your Linfields. Um, I don't expect us to get duffed. Um, hopefully, you know. You've Greg Hall back in there. I think he was maybe still just coming out of being injured. Um, I don't know where Scannell is with his injury, but obviously we missed those two guys both against Carrick. We didn't we didn't even talk about that, but um, I think those two guys make us stronger. They get us up and down the wings a bit better. They make runs, overlaps, all of that kind of stuff. Going ahead and Sk- down to say something there. Well, Scannell not be able to play, so he's on loan from Linfield. No, there you go. Well, that knocks that on the head then. So, um, 
yeah, so one of the other guys will have to step in, whether it's Healy or Crane. Obviously, Finnegan went off injured late on against Carrick as well. Um, so, you know, we, we have issues there too, uh, injuries and, you know, the season is suddenly seeming very long, I would say. Um, so, it's, Portadown players should just go out and count it as an experience to play against Linfield and do their best and do what they do best and try and take their opportunity and enjoy it. Yeah, no, I, I think you're you're right, and I agree with the Perrys. I think what you both said is is completely spot on. And Portland have nothing to lose on Saturday here. Um, you know, especially after the game against Carrick, there, you know, it, it should be a case of want really wanting to go out here and, and prove a point and prove to the fans that you you are deserving of wearing the shirt, like you said already, Dave. And and everyone will be expecting um, Linfield to roll Portland over no problem. I know my my friend uh, Connor. Connor Hagen, um, he he thinks that like so. Connor, I'll just give you a wee shout out now, and hopefully you'll be proved wrong, and um, maybe get you on the show, you know, some at some stage. Like so, <laughs> um, he's been giving it the big one, but no, um, yeah, Portland have nothing to lose here at the minute, and I, 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 it's one of them games that you know if you get anything from, you know, I I, I think it's a bonus. And <sighs> speaking of bonuses, hopefully, leave bonus. <laughs> You know, what a... you know what I've just written down here? Lee Bonus scored his 25th goal for Portadown last night in 50 matches, which is a pretty good return. And Adam Sally scored his 50th goal in 120-odd matches, maybe, which is decent as well. And Obviously, Adam's come off the bench a whole lot too. So, um, yeah, it's good to see those guys scoring goals. You know, I know we lost, but it's nice to see your strikers scoring goals at the same time. No, absolutely, and hopefully it's a case of we could they could score a few more goals on Saturday here. So fingers crossed, Portadown can get something. But it's it's going to be really tough. And this is the thing I always find with Linfield people are like, oh, they're not the team they were, and bloody bloody blah. And yet here we are, and they're still top of the league. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So it'll be interesting to see if anyone can challenge them. Um, right, moving on from the Linfield game next Tuesday, Potsy Portadown are playing Crusaders. I'm going to cut straight. Take, take to the, the point. floor. Take the floor. Take you're you're getting you're getting the open floor here. What the hell is going on at Crusaders now? Before I stick my sixpence in, I want to hear what you've got to say. So go say what you want. What is going on at Crusaders is the big question, and it's one that I don't have the answer to. Um, everything that looks like it could go wrong is going wrong. Um, results for a start. There's there's been times this season we have played extremely poorly, but we've got results. That seems to have gone completely where we're playing very poorly and not getting anything. Um, at times that covers up um, the playing of playing poorly, I suppose. A lot of fans are not happy, as you would expect, given the financial outlay, given the, the contracts, the players that we have is where we are acceptable. No. It isn't. Let's be plain. Let's be obvious. Let's be just frank about it. It's not acceptable. It's pretty. It's probably. It's disgraceful to be totally honest. Um, we've went from third to fighting for sixth in the space of two months. Um, our form has been drastically declining week on week. What is going on? I don't know. There's the constant rotation of the squad, which. I'll be honest about, I was quite critical of earlier on this season, um, having 
spoke to Sean O'Neill and that podcast is out Friday, cheap plug, wasn't intentional, <laughs> but um, having spoke to Sean O'Neill and Sean made the point, he says that the manager has has rotated the squad and, he's, and he goes, he's been given no option to because he compared it to the title winning squads where players were performing so well that their place couldn't be taken by anyone else. They almost picked themselves by their performance. And what Sean said was nobody is playing well enough to guarantee their spot every week. So every, it's being constantly rotated. I think Johnny Tuffy's come in. You'd know him quite well from his time at Glenavon, the pair of you. Um, I'm not going to be overly critical of, of, of Johnny Tuffy, but I do believe that Crusaders are missing a leader on the pitch. And that leader, in my opinion, should be Sean O'Neill. We look a bit directionless. We look confused. We don't know what we're doing a lot of the time. We're stuck between reverting to what served us so well for 10 plus years, which is long diagonal balls to chicken, the knockdowns, and then the runner in. And we're confused by doing that and trying to play a bit more possession, football-based stuff, let's put it that way, and it isn't quite working. I think the Crusaders fan base is at a point where if fans were allowed, it would be CV would probably a bit of a powder keg um, in relation to how unhappy certain fans are. Certain fans want the manager gone. I actually, I can empathize with them, but I politely disagree to an extent. I think Stephen Baxter has won three league titles with us. The Irish Championship as well. So make that four, counting the championship. Two Irish Cups. We've had two Irish Cup finals, three County Antrim Shields. We've lost the County Antrim Shield final as well. Maybe two, if, if I can't actually remember off the top of my head. We've had a League Cup final win, a couple of League Cup final defeats, the All-Ireland. I mean, every season's really since 2014-15, we've either been in a final or won a league or came second since. This is the first season where we haven't been involved in a final finishing second or winning something. So is it a bit premature to say the manager has to go? My personal opinion is yes. I think he's earned the time to try and fix it. But I also feel that throwing money at the problem whenever we're not probably unlikely to qualify for Europe again is not the way to go. Our squad is aging. It's aging terribly. Um, majority of our players, our key players, what the nucleus of what our squad is built around is 30 plus. We're missing that injection of youth, the vibrancy, that energy. I look at Portadown, for example, so much youth, so much energy. Maybe you're missing a couple of experienced players alongside that. I think we're the opposite. We're missing that vibrant, that energetic youth. And I don't know where we go from here because we have Portadown away after we play Glentoran away. Then we have Balamina and Carrick away, four away fixtures in a row. Balamina will be licking their lips, in my opinion, that the chance to beat us, because at that stage, they could beat us and jump us. And Glenavon are riding their coattails as well. So it's going to be a very difficult end of season, I feel, for Crusaders. And there's definitely going to be some, I would say, serious talks and some questions about the future this summer. But I do feel that as a fan base, we've had an amazing run for the last number of years, I feel that that team has really climaxed. It's the end of an era. Players have been moved on. Maybe some in aspects and in ways that fans didn't like. Colin Coates, for example, very late on, has almost rushed out the door, so to speak, is what some people believe. There's been a lot of changes at the club in the last number of years going full-time, but to, go, to be full-time and to almost decline, and it's the speed of the decline that is worrisome for me. 
And I don't know where we go and I don't know how we fix it. To be totally honest, it's just incredibly worrying as a supporter. It would probably be my long-winded two cents. Um, first of all, well done for saying climax with a straight face and not even flinching. Um, <laughs> what, do you see whenever you're talking about league titles and cups and kind? That's a phenomenal record. To uh, and I don't think it would be disrespectful to say Crusaders is the smallest Premiership club in Belfast. That's not. I don't think that's disrespectful to say at all. You know, probably a smaller community fan base there and probably a lot of people who live in and around the stadium support Linfield and go to Windsor Park on a Saturday for example there's, there's bound to be plenty of that so for a team like that to have won so much silverware competing with the other big teams in the city never mind other clubs around Northern Ireland is phenomenal do you think for that reason Stephen Baxter is unsackable? I, to be honest Dave I don't know I think, and this this will be a very maybe blunt answer to it. I think it's perhaps the finances which will dictate yeah. um, in terms of the full-time contracts. Can we afford to? Who do we hire? Where do we go? Can we afford to, to hire and fire with, without European football? What I will say is if Stephen Baxter was to leave and we bring someone else in, I don't envisage a massive change or charge up the table or all of a sudden title push I think that's complete fallacy Um, I see it as a long-term rebuilding job personally and I I would say if it'd be the next three to five years before we really see anything like a big strong powerful Crusaders team that we've seen maybe in 14 15 and 15 16 in my opinion yeah I think you're right I think you're right it's you know I think when you're when you're Linfield, you know, you don't have massive highs and massive lows. You just have little bumps like that. But I think most other teams go, you know, at peaks and troughs, you know. You maybe don't get right down to there, but you definitely have the highs for a while. And then it has to dip for a while. And, and quite often you do have to rebuild. Um, quite often that does mean bringing in another manager with a different contact book and maybe different ways and coaching but I think maybe Crusaders, it might, you're right, you're talking about finances. Crusaders not qualifying for Europe, I know, is a very difficult position for the club to be in. Um, potentially COVID money might have covered over the crack of that this year. I don't know. But, yeah, that's that's very difficult, especially moving towards, you know, the other clubs, Glint, your Glintorns and Larns and Linfield, who are full-time or moving towards full-time. And yet Crusaders have kind of gone that way, but it hasn't really worked out. Yeah, 100%. I know that some of the players at the club are not full-time themselves. Some are and some are not because mm-hmm. of the current the current jobs. You know, you look at Philip Lowry, for an example. By the way, yeah. easily by a distance, our best player this season. Philip yeah. Lowry has a very good job in up, up in the, I think it's the Royal Hospital, and you look at what he's doing, he can't really commit to full-time football at his age, given the fact he'd have to be giving up that job. So yeah, no. there's that that aspect where it's, it's very different at Linfield, Glentorn and Lauren because they've worked towards that model and that's what their idea has been. Whereas Crusaders has been very different. We've implemented that. But then when the certain players, yeah, we understand your situation, just you come Tuesday and Thursday nights. And then you've got some who are full-time, some who are part-time. Mm-hmm. And I think it might, I guess that's why I said three to five years where you start signing new players or different players on the full-time contract where everybody is full-time. 
And that, that often has to be younger lads, doesn't it? You know, it needs to be for us. It, it, you know, there's a massive gap. You know, we signed uh, Daniel Larmer from from Glenavon there in January, and he's young. And then you start looking through our squad. You look at Aidan Wilson. You know, centre back, 23, 24 years old. Then everyone else you start to look at is close to 30. You know, Philip Larry, 31. Decky, 31. Jordan Forsyth in his 30s. Robbie Weir's in his 30s. That's our midfielders. That's our Gary Thompson's around 30. There's our five centre midfielders. They're all 30 or 30 plus. So there's a massive rebuilding job there, in my opinion, and it will take time. And I, I honestly, I don't know where Crusaders are going to go. Um, I just you watch every game, hopeful that we can we can get a result and build on it. And to me, it's a very much like an end of an era, personally, is how I'm viewing it. And I don't mind taking a couple of steps back to change and fix the philosophy and look to how we're going to do things in three to five years, you know, and build towards that rather than throw money around to try and cling to the coattails, as you said, of a Linfield or re-emerging Glen Torren who will expect to be up there as well. I do, I do have some empathy for you, but what I'm really hearing is it's a great time to play Crusaders this Tuesday night at Shamrock Park. I think so. I, I think Hag will mark the Portadown on their calendar. I think Portadown will be marking Crusaders. So here comes a team bereft of confidence. Here comes a team that need a result, that don't travel well. We had a really good home form. We didn't travel well. Now we're not doing anything well. So mm. there's a very big opportunity, I think, for Portadown. Uh, and for Crusaders. Crusaders, let's make yeah. no bones about it, will target Portadown on those fixtures and think here's a chance to go and get three points as well. Yeah. Listen, Maybe you haven't said anything for a while there. Here I said I was going to give Potsy the floor like to say what he wanted about what's going on at Crusaders. Um, it's Listen, I said to him, if I was Crusaders fans, right, and I know there's been um, a portion of them, not all of them, not a lot of them, that have been wanting Baxter out for a couple of years, right? And all I'll say is, be very, very, very careful what you wish for because that man has taken Crusaders out of the championship. Like Crusaders were practically dead and buried, not even just as a team, as a club. And you're now talking yeah. those, that list of accomplishments the Potsy's already read off there, winning league titles, Irish Cups, League Cups, Satanta Cups, you know, games in Europe against Wolves and Fulham. Like, these are memories that will go down in Crusaders folklore. And I think, yes, granted, Crusaders are massively underachieving this season, but this is their first season in years where you can actually turn around and say, this has been a very poor season. And to be at that level for so long, of course, there's going to be a dip. And Dave, like you said, out of the four Belfast teams, Crusaders are the smallest club out of the four of them. And I know that's probably going to upset a few a few people. I saw a fella um, giving off the other week about Crusaders, even though he's a Crusaders fan, saying that as they are easily the second biggest club on the island, that they should be winning the league, no sweat. And it's just like, all right, mate, lay off the glue. And um, But as the smallest club from Belfast, you know, people have got to put a few things in perspective. Now, I do appreciate that Crusaders have thrown money at a few players. And, you know, there's been big transfer fees and stuff and it hasn't worked out. But see, another thing, you know, you're talking about European football. Crusaders, you know, obviously you don't want to fall out of the top six, but the whole seventh place, and I'm not using this as like the condoner or anything like that, 
They finished seventh. They're still in with a chance of getting European football. And would you rule Crusaders out of you know on a one-off game or a couple of games? Sorry, and um, because there's that playoff for Europe. I'm and I'm not, you know, I'm not using that to like paper over the cracks. I'm just saying European football is not out of the equation yet. And you've also got to consider the Harris Cup hasn't been played yet, so that's a competition as well that I'm sure Crusaders will have their eye on. So I just, I, what I think is, you know, um, Crusaders fans need to be very, very, very careful what they wish for. And they even need to look over in England. And I'm going to use Arsenal as the example for this. Under Wenger, Arsenal took off and were like winning leagues and winning cups on a regular basis. Then they dipped and Arsenal fans are wanting Wenger out. And... Then obviously we won FA Cups, you know, you know, three out of four years and stuff, and they were still wanting them out. And look where Arsenal are in the league now. Do you know what I mean? Like they're tenth. And I just think some Crusaders fans need to be very, very careful because they chase Baxter right, and he's done a phenomenal job. And has he made mistakes? Of course he's made mistakes, and we appreciate that um, he's seen as stubborn and and whatnot. But what manager isn't at the end of the day? And um, I'm sure it's probably stuff that he wants to, you know, rectify himself. And I think, like you said, Potsy, he's won that much at Crusaders. He is a Crusaders legend. You know, he deserves the right to at least try to rectify what what has gone wrong. And I also think some of the comments made on social media about him and even some of the players that have served Crusaders so well have been nothing short of disgusting and really disrespectful. Um, and like I saw Paul Heatley last week, he made a mistake against Linfield. He got absolutely battered. And it's like, this is one of Crusaders' greatest ever players. He's maybe having, you know, not as good a season as he's had before, which is only natural considering he's getting older now. And I just, it, it baffles me. It, it seems to be football fans now are very fickle in general. And as you say, like it, Crusaders are probably, in a sense, lucky that there are no fans at games at the minute because... I would say there'd be a fair few choice words being spoken at those games. And um, we don't know what's going on behind the scenes of the Crusaders. You'd be well versed at that more than we would. Like so it's it seems to be a very difficult time. But speaking of Tuesday, if I was Porter Down, I would be eyeing Crusaders here and thinking we can get a result here. But at the same time, you know, there's nothing more dangerous than a wounded animal and Crusaders are wounded at the minute and They'll be targeting Portadown and thinking we can get three points here at Shamrock. But if Portadown play like they did the last time at Shamrock against Crusaders, then they would have to be confident as well of, of, of getting something. But it's it is worrying times for Crusaders. Um, but I I would say just be very careful what you wish for. The big the bigger question is what are we gonna call this new Crusaders podcast that we've just started? <laughs> Do we just go for the hatchets and hammers? podcast the hatchet man podcast sure road podcast what do you think <laughs> well let potsy you be the host like we can just be your guests <laughs> <laughs> speaking of this week's uh, crusaders podcast we've ported out fans neil campbell and dave wiggins <laughs> uh, well sorry speaking of your own podcast we'll, we'll, we'll no we'll, we'll get that in a wee second and um, dave the the Crusaders game coming up here. What do you think? Could Porter and get a result? Yeah, we'll beat them 5 0. <laughs> Big shout. Well, yeah. going by the social media, there's probably a fair few Crusaders fans that would actually want that to happen to get rid of Baxter. 
I don't yeah, think no. I'm too far wrong saying that. Like, so yeah, no, I t- take a draw. I think with every every chance of getting something from it, but difficult match as always. You know, Crusaders are Crusaders. You know, big and strong. And um, is Jordan Owens is he fit and available at the minute, or what's the crack there? He played last night, captain to side, and oh, and this right. is why sometimes you can't take these rumors serious because you hear you read things on Twitter. Stephen Baxter and Jordan Owens have had a fallout, and then the teams walk out onto the pitch, and Jordan Owens is leading out the team as the captain. You know, and you start to go, "Well, if they've had a fallout, he wouldn't be captain." You know, he probably wouldn't uh, be playing. But uh, 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 what what do you do to make make amends? Jordan, listen, I'm sorry, big fella. I'm really sorry. Here's the <laughs> captain's armband. I still love you. Surely we've all been through those conversations, like. I think that might have happened at your BB team, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> because well, here, I do. Listen. I do. I I really do think that Crusaders are a one-trick pony, and they've tried not to be, and they're going to need different players to not be. But it, their whole game is built around big diagonal balls to Jordan Owens and feeding off it. So if he's not playing or he's not doing it, then that, that that's when they really struggle. Um, yeah, you know, yeah. Big Lack. He's obviously big and strong too, but he's a different. He's still a different kind of player from Jordan Owens. You know. Yeah, Look I think that's, that's definitely, uh, I just got to say, that's definitely one of the issues that's plagued us this season. It seems to be we're stuck between what style do we play. Mm. You know, we've tried to keep the ball and then we've maybe dominated a game possession-wise and then Warren Point get a chance and score their first chance. And then all of a sudden it's like panic, ball wide to the fullback, long diagonal. And, and that's that's something that I'm used to seeing, especially this season. And I think we're stuck in, in that transition what do we do stage and when it's not quite working go back to what's worked Dave and you're right we've been synonymous with that style and it's been successful and people don't like it because it's not maybe as pretty on the eye but when you've won the trophies we've won crack on is what I would say see Crusaders remind me of do you remember Clintonville when they won back-to-back leagues in 2012-13 and 13-14 and then the one loads of league cups on the bounce and they were a really good side and they they peaked and then they tailed off and to me Crusaders and Cliftonville like are sort of similar you know like you know stature of club and stuff and I just sort of feel like I, I, I just think Crusaders peaked they peaked and they had all that success and success isn't a like it's not a given and you know I just think I just, like I said it before, I just think they need to be very careful what they wish for. But realistically, even before like Baxter came in, you know, Crusaders were struggling for years. And okay, like even in the mid 90s, obviously they won a couple of league titles. But if you look at Crusaders' history, it's never been sustained success. Whereas under Baxter, it has been sustained success virtually every season. And it's just like this is like Crusaders' golden period. And it's not possible for a club to dominate like from day zero to the end of time. Like, Man United dominated for years. Like, look, with, like it, they're not dominating now. It's like, it's like a cycle in football. And I appreciate that there'll be things behind the scenes and there's other things going on at Crusaders that, you know, maybe we're not privy to. And I know there's been fallings out with committees and supporters clubs and all that sort of stuff. And I get it. But at the same time, you should be getting behind the players and getting behind the manager. But hopefully, all being said, you still get beat by Portadown next week. <laughs> <laughs> we'll put it this way, Nate, we'll wrap up the Crusaders thing with this statistic. Crusaders have won seven Irish leagues in our history, the Premier Leagues. Three out of those seven have come under one manager. 
I think as as much of the stuff that's going wrong now, I think he's earned the right to try and rebuild and try and fix it. And then the question would then come during that process, how well is it going and all that sort of stuff. But for me, I think he's done so well at the club for so long, he deserves the chance to fix it. And hopefully next Tuesday, if we haven't already fixed our form against Glen Torren, we fix it against Portadown. <laughs> so thanks, guys, for tuning in to the Hatchet Men podcast this evening. And... <laughs> oh, dear. Well, here, listen. Um, yeah, hopefully hopefully it's a good game. And um, obviously me and Dave will be hoping for Portadown to win. Potsy, you have a, a number of... Um, podcasts on the go at the minute you've got a few more coming out here soon and before you announce what they are and Dave I'm not sure if you're aware or not but this is a spoiler for anybody that wants to listen to Potsy's podcast I'm sure at at what point on the Sean O'Neill podcast will you mention the 6-0 against Portadown in 2015 that ended up with you winning the league that's bound to be mentioned because it's been mentioned in every single one of your podcasts so far (laughs) the only time we beat you that year (laughs) (laughs) so who have you got coming on your show then you've already mentioned Sean O'Neill but who else is coming on Sean O'Neill podcast will be released the same day this is which is tomorrow Um, Sean O'Neill's podcast is out on Friday and the following Friday is Michael Carvel I'm trying to get Richard Clark of now Balna Mallard formerly Crusaders on the show I'm just trying to figure out a date for him and of Crusaders kept man Frankie Weir coming out towards the end of April. And there's actually some very funny stories in there about the European trips. But apart from that, that's all the Irish League ones have got wrapped up. And there are a couple of the other ones that are already available. So yeah, feel free to check those out. That's at the podcast on any form of social media. Good man. And I implore those listening to this to check them out because they are very funny. And no matter what, football team support over in Northern Ireland um, it's always interesting to hear um, the ins and outs um, of Irish League players so yes check them out and I'm sure you'll get a good laugh at Crusaders beating Portadown 6-0 in February 2015 it always gets mentioned on them like so Dave anything to add happy enough yeah that's about it talked enough tonight we have indeed so before we go don't forget to like and subscribe to the We Are Ports TV YouTube channel and also Spotify. And before the game against Linfield and Crusaders, don't forget to check out um, the We Are Ports YouTube channel um, as there's a match day live experience um, before all the games at Shamrock Park and um, they'll bring you interviews and team news and whatnot. So check those out. And yes, Potsy, thank you very much. Um, hopefully you're not a happy man next Tuesday. And Dave, uh, thanks as always. It's been a blast. Thanks for having me, gents. Okay, Appreciate cheers, it. Potsy.